7 of the Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. I'm Mark Schofield, happy to be back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. 21 days till Christmas, kids. Hope you're taking care of that holiday list, getting your shopping done. If you're looking for something to get your boy here, brings you the Patriots takes a couple times a week. Some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, for example. That would be a wonderful gift. But I digress. Today's show, some quality time with you, the listener. Why? I opened up the mailbag. I could tell many of you a bit angsty right now, although not all of you, as I'm going to say in a few moments. But I opened up the mailbag, tried to see if I could address some of your concerns. We're going to get to that in a moment. You know, we're going to start off, of course, our usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and yes, that trio of SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Sco Show with the venerable Michael J. Kist, and of course, Pat's Pulpit, right here. On the pulpit itself. Also wanted to plug something. I was happy to be asked to go on one Patriots place with the great Steve Ballesteri and Thomas Murphy. Always love talking to those guys. That episode dropped on Tuesday. You might want to check it out. I'm on there for about an hour losing my mind. I think I yelled at one point if I could please just get somebody to run a post route. Something to that effect. Different side of me, I guess. I did want to start before getting into your questions with this. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, out in Carolina. That means a fun tradition of mine might come to an end. It was probably going to come to an end anyway. You see, when I fly down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, I always go American Airlines through Charlotte, then Charlotte to Mobile. That's the route I take. I've enjoyed that little jaunt. Although I get on one of those Embraer's from Charlotte down into Mobile. Mobile, a small regional airport. And your boy is a bit of a white-knuckle flyer. I say a bit. Is a huge white-knuckle flyer. And it would often call me when I would get to the gate and see Riverboat Ron and the rest of the Carolina Panthers coaching staff taking the same flight. I was on him a couple of times. One time he was reading a book about Teddy Roosevelt, which warmed my nerd heart. So it looks like that won't be in the cards for me this year. Interesting to see the Panthers do that right now because if you were to sit down and ask me or ask yourself, what are the reasons that the Carolina Panthers are struggling right now? I'd be hard-pressed to get to Ron Rivera in the top five. Now, I think David Tepper, the owner, wants to go in a more analytic-minded direction. Rivera has made no qualms about the fact that he coaches with his gut. And so... Looks like Carolina moving in a bit of a different direction. But Rivera, I have a lot of respect for him as a coach. I would not be surprised to see him back somewhere soon. Amy Trask from CVS, obviously with the Oakland Raiders for a long time, said that if she were running a college program, that would be the first call she would make right now would be to try to get Ron Rivera. So I'm sure he will get a gig sometime soon. Now let's get to it right now. And I did want to just sort of start it this way. Tuesday morning, fired up the Twitter machine like I do every morning. Yes, it's an addiction for all of us. And I just lobbed this question to the timeline. Going to fire up the mailbag for the next Sco Show. I know you're angsty Patriots fans. Send over your questions or qualms. And we got some qualms. 
But I did want to highlight this response from Vincent Panetta at Panetta Math. Patriots fans don't deserve you. Now, Vincent, I love you, buddy. He's an Eagles fan. He listens to me on the QB Scale show. I thought that was a very nice way to start things off. But I digress. I wanted to start with this tweet in response from Brian Zukowski at FLOES420. There is nothing symbiotic about the Pats' offense. The coaches, the running backs, the linemen, the receivers all need to step up their respective games. Four games should be enough to create an offense that can complement their very good defense. The offense needs to be a solid complement. I told you we had some qualms. And I get it, Brian. Look, the offense isn't playing well right now. And a lot of people have sort of, as you might expect, laid a lot of the blame at the feet of TB12. He's gone over the cliff. He's losing it. He's lost it. I think that is a very narrow-minded and flawed way to look at the situation with this offense right now. People are saying, oh, he's frustrated because deep down he knows he can't do it anymore. Tom Brady is frustrated because as the leader of an offense, he believes it is the offense's job to score a touchdown on every single drive. If Tom Brady in this offense could put up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown with Tom Brady handing the ball off 15 times in a row, he'd be as happy as anybody on the planet right now. It's not that he thinks he's lost it or anything like that. The offense isn't playing complimentary football, like Brian said. It's not a cohesive unit. This offense right now reminds me a lot of my almost inexistent golf game. But whenever I would go through phases, I'm a very addictive person, shall we say. I will dive into something and it will consume me and then I will drop it. For example, my woodworking phase, my charcuterie phase. Things that I dove headfirst into, get myself all the charcuterie gear. I haven't cured a sausage in probably three years. Although I'm going to try to do it this offseason again. The woodworking phase, you've seen me on Twitter, building benches and built a coffee table for our new house. Who knows when I'll pick it up again. But when I was playing golf, my biggest problem playing was I would hit a great shot. I'd hit something like 275 off the tee right down the middle, position A. I'd have, you know, a seven iron in, and I'd skull it. I'd hit, I'd hit a line drive six feet off the ground that would fly over the green. I couldn't string together two shots in a row. Maybe I would hit an awful tee shot. Might I'd have to, you know, try to get into, you know, decent position with a lawn iron, and I'd somehow pull it off. I couldn't put two shots together in a row. It's like that right now for this offense. They can't be consistent. Everything feels like a grind right now. You know, when you were watching that game Sunday night, you probably felt at times that everything was so hard fought for this offense. Now, is there hope? Yes. But like I said on Sunday night, it seems much more difficult right now to see a light at the end of the tunnel because when we were in this position last year, it was they've got 87 still. When Gronkowski, he's clearly bothered by something. If he's healthy, if Tom's healthy for the playoffs, they can piece it together. It's tougher to see that kind of hope right now, partly because, and I'll dive into this more in a second with the next qualm, play defensive coordinator for a minute. 
Play Steve Spagnolo for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. You're putting together your game plan for this Sunday afternoon. What are you worried about? 11. What else? 28. What else? 12. What else? Silence. Crickets. What else scares you right now? And so you do what Houston did. You double 11. You put a corner on 28. And then you say, go ahead. Find a way to beat us. It's Belichickian. Belichick makes you fight with your offhand. Makes you fight with one hand tied behind your back. That's what the Patriots have to do. So they need to find their answer now. And they do have four games to do it. What will that answer be? I don't know. Maybe it's Nikhil Harry. Dave Archibald said this in the Scotia Slack channel, and it's so true. He said this on Sunday night. Every time they get into first and goal from the five or so, it feels like an automatic field goal. Like they're not going to get in it. They have no answer down there like they did last year. Could Harry be that guy in the in the red zone on sort of end zone fades and things like that? Maybe. But it just seems like everything is so hard fought right now. They need to find something. Maybe it's a healthy Sanu, more reps for Nikhil Harry, something. But it is missing, and they aren't playing complimentary football. To our next qualm, from Andrew Carlson at Bankers underscore box, who I will have to tell a quick story right now. Years ago, over at the Sons of Sam Horn message board, a Red Sox message board, we used to have our Soch, and yes, it's Soch, Secret Santa. And one year I got the most glorious gift ever, an ornament for a Christmas tree with the fat, sweaty face of John Lackey. It was tremendous. It was just one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten, Secret Santa or otherwise. And I take it with me everywhere we go. I put it up every holiday season. It's one, it's the first ornament that I put on the tree. And I just did it this past weekend. Obviously tagged Andrew in the tweet. It's just a tremendous gift. And I've had this ornament now for almost 10 years, it seems like. So I just wanted to give Andrew a shout out for that. But he chimes in with his qualm. I'm still trying to figure out the point of the Sanu trade. Is their goal to create slot duplicity with Edelman to open things up for one of them? Overall thoughts on the wide receiver core. I said this on one Patriots place. And I thought it was a good line, so I'm going to repeat it here. For years, Patriots fans, people in national media, chuckleheads on Twitter, used to joke that the Patriots were moving ever so slowly towards the all-slot receiver offense. And they had guys like Hogan and Amendola and Edelman. And then they acquired Dorsett. It's like, they're just trying to run an offense of slot receivers. Well, guess what they have now, dear listener? They have that. Philip Dorsett's probably best suited as a slot receiver. Julian Edelman is probably best suited as a slot receiver. Nikhil Harry, probably best suited as a big slot receiver. Mohamed Sanu, probably best suited as a big slot receiver. Jacoby Myers, probably best suited as a slot receiver. Like, that's what they have. And in an offense, somebody has to play the X. Somebody's got to play the Z. And they have guys that are struggling to fit into roles that they're maybe not best suited for. So that's issue number one. They do have a bunch of guys that have overlapping skill sets, but you're going to need somebody to be the X. And it might have to be Nikhil Harry. 
It might have to be Dorsett at times. When they go with their up-tempo 11 package like they did last Sunday night, when it's 16, when it's 13, and when it's 11, they've got Dorsett playing the X. It's a role he's not suited for. And so that's one problem. The other problem is this. If you think back to early in the season when Philip Dorsett and Tom Brady seemed to be on the same page and they had a great connection going, what else did the Patriots have? Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown. So Philip Dorsett was seeing CBs three and four. Now he's seeing CB two. And it snowballs on down the line. And so the matchups aren't there for them right now, especially when... Julian Edelman gets doubled, he gets taken away, and James White gets taken away. It's a snowball in effect on this offensive unit. And to drive this point home, according to PFF's chart and data for Week 13, Taysom Hill was the quarterback who held on to the ball the longest in the pocket with 4.1 seconds average time from snap to throw. Now, he had, what, one passing attempt? Tom Brady was second. Average time snap to throw of 3.21. That is large for Tom Brady. Now, on the season, Brady is averaging time to throw of 2.57 seconds. So you can tell the jump in the season average to what we saw on Sunday night. So he was trying. There just wasn't anywhere for him to go in the football. And so the wide receiver group, it's a struggle right now. Speaking of which, from Matt St. John at Matt's, at Matt St. Dream on Twitter, as a former quarterback, how would you manage dealing with young and unproven wide receivers when they make mistakes? And I'm not sure I'm the guy to ask because I was too busy dealing with my own mistakes to figure out how to help anybody else. But to try to put myself in the TB12 shoes, which is obviously difficult. I mean, look at him, look at me. I, I think patience, and I know it's tough to be patient in the middle of a game when everything is happening. Patience is part of it. There needs to be sort of an understanding that these guys are going to make mistakes. You know, that's part of the reason why the disappearance of Nikhil Harry frustrated me in part because I, I think if you were going to blame him for that interception, which is probably the right call, you got to get him back on the horse. It's like when after Goose died in Top Gun, you got to get Maverick up there and flying again. Look, we weren't going to get through a season without a Top Gun reference, friends. But I think you got to get them back on that horse. And so patience and acceptance of the fact that there are going to be mistakes, but use them as sort of teaching moments. Now, it's easier said than done, especially when you've got to win games. And a lot of it's going to have to take place on the practice field, behind the scenes, just making sure these guys know that there is a role for them to play and they can help this team, but it's going to require some patience. And so that's how I would do it. But again, I'm a, I was a failure of a quarterback and I'm admittedly a failure as a podcaster. So I'm probably not the guy to ask, but I digress. Up next, we're going to have some more stuff on angst, on fixing it, all the fun stuff. That's ahead on episode 47 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 47 of The Sco Show. And 
let's get back to some of your qualms now. And this was probably the response that I expected to see the most of. And strangely enough, I got some that are going to go in the other direction. But from a loud fool at a loud fool on the old Twitter machine, I'm going to have to censor some of this now. Hi, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity to tap into your expertise. What I'm wondering at this point is, now all caps, what in the bleep is going on and is everything going to be okay? Caps lock off. Thanks for your considered response. A loud fool is one of my favorite people out there. A huge fan of his. Um, and I expected more of this, to be honest. It's sort of that sense of, shall we say, impending doom. But there wasn't a ton of that. After all, when I sort of re-upped the tweet late last night, asking for people to chime in, I had two other people, two other people I've known for years over from Soch as well, um, at BOS Mike 7 as well as Ben Cohen at DJ Benny C, probably spitting somewhere in D.C. this weekend. And they're basically saying, look, they have the best record in the NFL. They're not angsty at all. They lost five road games last year. Everybody needs to calm down. The wide receivers need to gel. The offensive line isn't special quite yet. There's a month more of games. We'll worry when there's a reason to worry. And that's the flip side to this coin. There's feelings of panic, which I felt at times on Sunday night. You heard it in my voice. And there's feelings of, look, they've been here before. We'll panic when there's a reason to panic. We'll panic when it's, you know, week 16 and suddenly they need to win to clinch the division. Things have not gone their way. You know, that's more panic time. Right now it's they're where we thought they would be. You know, they lost one to Baltimore that we thought was going to be a tough game. They lost a game in Houston, which many of us thought was going to be the one they'd lose in this four-game stretch. They're right where we thought they would be. They're still on track to finish 13-3, and 14-2. Like, sky isn't falling. It's just like a loud fool kind of tapped into there. There is that feeling that, yeah, they've done it before. They've gelled before. They've fixed things before. But it doesn't feel like this is stuff they can fix in a short window. And it doesn't feel like they've got that thing they can fall back on. And that might be the difference between last year's team and this year's team. Because last year's team, even though he was hurt, you still felt like Gronk could chip in when you needed him. He could do something when you needed him. And whether it was, you know, down the stretch in the regular season last year, the division round game against the Chargers, for example, he was basically just a sixth offensive lineman. But they needed him in the AFC Championship game, and he came through. They needed him in the Super Bowl, and he came through. You know, and his presence allowed them to do things with Edelman as well. Now, without 87, they can double tw- they can double 11, and it's just that much tougher. And so that might be part of the angst. And maybe it's just residual angst that we were feeling in August when it was like, what are they going to do? They haven't replaced 87. And so that's the balancing act we're sort of going through as Patriots fans. But it all comes back to the idea of this. And this was, you know, a qualm, a question that I got from Dylan M. Rod at Dylan M. Rod on Twitter. We know that when push comes to shove, the Pats are still the team to beat in the AFC. 
Are there any teams good enough to beat them in a playoff game besides the Ravens and the Texans? Or were even those games too close that it would be asinine to suggest the Patriots lose twice? I think a lot of people still feel that way. You know, until they've been just knocked out of the playoffs, until they're dead, figuratively, not literally, obviously here, people are still going to have that belief that they're going to pull the Undertaker, they're going to get up off the canvas, and they're going to find a way to get it done. After all, look, what can they do now? They can tap into that, we're underdogs, we're not good anymore, nobody believes in us, you're too old. They can tap into all that again. They can be what everybody hates about them, underdogs. Still, Tom Brady, six-time Super Bowl champion, underdog. Like, that's what they can tap into. It's absurd to many but to those who have been in the arena at one time or another, that underdog mentality is the thing that drives many of us. You know, there's a reason why Rocky's a great movie. There's a reason why people love Rudy. You know, tap it into that underdog mentality. You can say that it's almost a national thing at times. You know, America started as an underdog nation. You know, we love an underdog. But when the Patriots sort of tap into that, as they've done so many times before... It turns people off. But the bottom line is, why does it turn people off? Because it works. We remember the Belichick speech before the first Eagles Super Bowl when he walked them through their parade route. Why does that stuff work? Why is it giving me chills now? Because you know what that does to an athlete when he or she hears that people doubt them, that people don't think they can win, that they've got just one chance, that whole any given Sunday mentality, right? The Patriots are going to be able to tap back into that again. And so in terms of, to, to Dylan's question here, teams that I think in the AFC that can still be a problem, obviously Baltimore, obviously Houston, they've shown a game plan that they can put together to do it. I still think Kansas City is good. And Buffalo is going to be a problem. You know, that week 16 game that's coming up on a Saturday afternoon, that's going to be a problem. That defense has shown what they can do to Tom Brady and company. Josh Allen is playing better. They're believing in themselves. That win in Dallas was one of those sort of season-defining wins. You can see it on the field. You can see it in the huddle with them. They've got a chance this weekend with Baltimore coming to town. If they somehow beat Baltimore, well, yay, it's going to help us. Us being Patriots fans, not me. I Sometimes I slip up and I say us. I don't, yeah, whatever. But that's going to be another confidence-building kind of game for them. And so those are the teams that I think that either have already shown that they can beat New England or shown enough on film that they can do it. So those are the teams that I keep coming back to. And I guess you have to throw Pittsburgh in that mix as well. With the duck collar, with Mike Tomlin, with what they've put together, they've seemed to figure it out. So... Those are the teams that I'm still worried about. And those are the teams I will remain worried about. If we are lucky enough to see this team get to a Super Bowl, I'll worry about the NFC, you know, come late January. But right now, got to take it one week at a time. We're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what we will do on episode 48 of the SCO Show. 
I'm going to be joined by a great guest, Seth Kessor, who Kessor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic Kansas City. He's a great guy, Chiefs fan up north, lives in Minnesota. Love the work that he does for the, the Athletic. It's been a while since I've talked to Seth, so we're going to talk about this game. I'm going to have some stuff on Pat Mahomes in the offense as well. That's on tomorrow. That's on Thursday. Until then, friends, please do keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.